Hey world, welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 50. We made it. 50 episodes of the podcast. It's very exciting. This is actually 11.30 on Thursday night. I just finished up my 2019 year, and what a year it has been. I actually just played at Old Red. I did a morning show today, 11 to 2, and then I did a corporate event. It was a Christmas party for this company, and uh, my friend and Jack Steiner played guitar with me. I'm getting all these notifications. I just turned my computer back on. I was going to be done for the year, and then I figured, I was like, shit, I need to do this podcast. Had a couple brews, a couple tequila sodas, so I'm feeling a little saucy right now, a little late-night podcast, but I figured I'd I'd do one more before the year's over. I might do a couple on my phone and and put them out, but who knows, whatever. I'm just going to... I'm just going to put them out, I guess, or not, whatever. It's episode 50. We're here. 2019's over. It's a celebration, Tina. Um, anyway, before I get into the podcast, I want to give a couple uh, 2020 dates that I have starting out. Um, G- uh, January 4th, I'm doing a Nashville so far. <laughs> I just dropped my phone. Uh, <laughs> January 4th, doing a Nashville so far here. Um if you've ever been to a so far, you basically buy tickets on the website and you don't know where the location is and you just go to it. So I really actually have no information about that show at all other than I'm actually playing one on January 4th. And as it gets a little closer, maybe I'll, I'll have some secret information about it. So uh, that is no help whatsoever. Then January 27th, Monday night. January 27th, I'll be at Smith's Old Bar in Atlanta, Georgia with the band. Drew Dixon um, is playing as well in his band. It's going to be a kick-ass show. We're playing in the Atlanta room, which is the smaller room. So that's Monday, January 27th for anyone who is living or uh, or feels like they want to make a long commute to Atlanta. I'll be there. And then... Thursday, February 27th, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina at another So Far show. And Friday, February 28th, I'll be at the New Belgium Brewing Company uh, in Asheville, North Carolina with the band. So those are my uh, tour dates. There'll be some more Nashville dates and uh, some more New England dates uh, maybe in the spring. Unfortunately for any of the people who came to see us for ski shows, there's not going to be any happening this year. Um, the Widowmaker up at Sugarloaf did some remodeling. They had some staff changes, and we just couldn't make it happen. And um, Adatash just didn't work out this year scheduling-wise. But there's plenty of cool winter stuff happening, and uh, I'll be up there skiing irregardless. So uh, that's about it for my shows. Hey World, the playlist on Spotify. Check that out, rosslivermore.com for all of my dates, all of the dates with the band, all of my solo dates. Um don't forget to, if you are an, an avid listener of the podcast, don't forget to give it a like on iTunes, maybe write a little review, share it with some friends, let people know that you're digging it, and that somehow helps the algorithm push me towards the top. And that's where we all want to live, the top of the mountain, you know what I mean? Um, so thank you guys so much. It's been a great 2019. This is Hey World episode 50. Let's do it. <laughs>
everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 50 of the Hey World podcast with me, your host, Ross Livermore. Um, of course, as always, in my home office in Nashville, Tennessee, wrapping up the year. Wrapping up uh, 2019. Teen is in the back. You can't see her because you're just listening to this. And I'm not doing video right now. Um, but what's up? I hope you're all doing well. I hope you had a great year. I am done for the year officially. I just played two shows at Old Red. I played this morning, uh, 11 to 2. It was a morning thing. And then just did a corporate event. And they were both very successful. I was actually supposed to drive home today. Emma, myself, and Tina were going to drive home today in the minivan. Um, but these two things popped up. And I needed money. <laughs> so we stayed an extra day. And it actually worked out because Emma got to go to her faculty party, which she's at right now. So, 2019, it's done. This has officially been my greatest year to date as a musician. This is my first full-time calendar year as a full-time musician in my life. Just wrapped it up today. Done for the year. I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm drinking a Bud Light right now, too. It's about 11.30 on a Thursday. Celebrating, just crushing a couple brews here. About to drive home for Christmas. I can't wait. We're driving home to make it to the Dumas Family 750 swap on Saturday night. So we're going to be there. And I actually brought a couple good bottles of booze that I'm really excited about. If you don't know, for those of you who are listening who don't know what a 750 swap is, it's a, it's a Yankee swap. Or what I actually heard they call it here in the South is called gray elephant, a gray el or a, no, it's called or a white whale. It's a it's they call a Yankee swap the white whale, and it's the exact same thing. But up north we call it a Yankee swap, which is you uh, all bring a gift and then you pick numbers and get the gifts and then you swap them and whatever. But a seven fifty swap is you bring a bottle, a seven fifty milliliter bottle of alcohol. Um. And you do a Yankee swap with booze. So it's great. And then everyone gets hammered and it's really fun. And hopefully (laughs) it it will be really fun. So that's why we're driving home and we're going, that's like, we're driving home, basically going right to the party and going to start raging with the Dumases and everybody. So, um, and that's, that's about it. But yeah, 2019 is done. I'm so pumped. It's been just, just an incredible year. It's been such a learning experience for me. Um, in just gigging a ton, learning how to manage money, learning how to be organized with musicians and hiring bands. And it's just been, it's just been a a, a huge success, but also a, a, a great, a great learning experience for me. Um, so that's good. One of the things I wanted to start with though, was this Opus show that we had a week ago, um, we played at Opus in Salem last Thursday, and it kind of turned into a bit of a shit show. So what happened? So two years ago, not two years ago, one year ago, we did two nights at Opus. We did a Friday, Saturday. No pre-sold tickets. Everyone just bought tickets at the door. We brought out the first night. We brought 140 people. The second night, we brought out 156 ish it was like uh, I, I think that was the number and i'm not saying this to brag i'm saying this just so we could get a reference on what happened for the show that we just did so 
those were the numbers I had. I took uh, took notes on all of our, like who we tipped out, the money we made, the amount of people that came. I just, you know, try to be organized with that type of stuff. So when we were trying to book the two night run again this year, scheduling was just kind of tough. Opus had um, booked some Christmas parties, so we couldn't get two nights in a row. And then just scheduling is tough sometimes. So we ended up only really being able to make a Thursday night work. And we're like, oh, it's one night. It's Thursday. We'll be able to bring at least 140 people because that's the number that they allowed us to have the year prior. So when I was chatting with the person who was booking the show, she said, let's, we both were talking about doing a pre-sale. So we're like, okay, cool. Like, how does that work? We just like sell the tickets and, and until it sells out or if it doesn't sell out, whatever. So she's like, well, we're going to cap the pre-sale at 65 tickets. So the understanding was that the pre-sale ticket was going to be, there's going to be 65 sold at the door. And then with basing it on 140 people coming to our show last year, that would be, let me get my calculator because I didn't figure this out before I started talking about it. 140 minus 65, that would be 75 people. So we're like, okay, like the night after it was 156. So we're like, okay, why don't we say there'll be 65 pre-sale and then there'll be 80 spots at the door. She said, okay. That was the understanding. 65 pre-sale cap, then 85 or 80 tickets at the door. So with our guest list, that was like 25 people. Um, 65 plus 80 equals 145. So 145 total minus 25 guest list minus 65 cap. There would be like 55 spots available at the door. That would be... That's kind of what we were thinking. So what happened, this was what we were planning on. I actually made a post about this saying, hey, the pre-sale was capped at 65 and we would, uh, there would be like 80-ish spots at the door um, with guest list. So anyway, we get to the venue, we're talking to the sound guy and he's like, oh, it's sold out. This is great. And we're like, ah, pre-sale, pre-sale sold out. And he was like, no, it's sold out. We sold a hundred tickets. And I was like, you weren't supposed to do that. The pre-sale cap was supposed to be 65. And he's like, no, we sold a hundred. It's great. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, uh, okay, let me talk to a manager. So we talked to the manager. It turns out they actually sold 80 pre-sale tickets, which I mean, this is all a good problem to have. This is incredible. The, the fact that 80 people paid in advance to come and see the band is incredible. And I'm like super thankful about that. But that was not the understanding that we had with the venue. The understanding was that we would have 65 pre-sale and 80 spots at the door. Um, so she was saying, okay, we sold 80 tickets. It's sold out. With So with our guest list, which was 25 people and the 80 tickets, that was 105. So we still had like 40 spots available. And they were like, well, we had this other show in here and the fire marshal came and changed our capacity size. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You changed, like, when did this happen? They were like, oh, it was New Year's last year. I'm like, so you've known about this capacity change for eight months and when I agreed, when we agreed about the amount of tickets that would be available, you failed to tell me this. <laughs> so 
we're like, fuck. Okay. So I'm starting to get texts from all these people like, oh, I can't get in. It's sold out. I can't get in. And I'm like, so, you know, I was trying to like make a, a list of more people to let in and they weren't taking any money at the door. So that's basically the story that happened. So I wrote down a bunch of names and people got in and no one paid at the door and I was fine. Like whatever we made money and it's not a big deal, but it was super frustrating because we had this understanding of the amount of people that could actually get in the door and they actually changed the capacity size without even telling us. So I've thought about it a lot and you know what, what I should do at this point. And I, I feel like, you know, it, we're, we're, it's, it's nice because we're starting to grow to a point where we need to maybe graduate to a bigger venue. Um, and I've, uh, we've always had a great relationship with Opus. I think it was just on like, honestly, it's with a group like that. It's serenity group. Um, there's a lot of people running a lot of different things. There's new management. There's just, it, it, it's kind of, it, there's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So when that happens, things tend to get fucked up. So I think that honestly is just what happened. I don't think they intentionally tried to lower the cap in the room. So like we wouldn't make money and they wouldn't make money. Ultimately, like everybody lost money that night. Um, And it's really not about the money. It's more about the fact that people were super upset. You know, they changed their plans. They arranged their entire day based around coming to see our band and going to their venue and spending their money at their venue to see our band. And you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating when these mistakes happen because we all want to be good. You know, we all want to be the best we can be. We all want to put on a good show and we all want to serve people and make sure everyone's having a good time and, that's why I always talk about like the relationship between the band and the venue is really important. Like the staff and all the stuff. And there was just a big, big miscommunication at the beginning, which in turn screwed up the entire night, you know? And I think the one thing I'm the most disappointed about with this whole thing is I continually am hearing stories about how rude the security was to everybody. Like, good friends, family members, all this type of stuff. And I think like when I, you know, when I talk to Opus, that's that's the thing I need to talk about. Cuz you know, when when like when their staff is blatantly rude to people that pay money to come and see us, that's a direct reflection on me and the band. Um more so than it is on their venue. So that's the thing I that's the my biggest takeaway with this whole opus debacle was the fact that the security was just like incredibly rude to like multiple people not just like one person or two people so it just sucks it sucks when you know people make mistakes like that um but you know it at the end of the day i should have known you know i should have made sure and you know, dotted my I's and crossed my T's and made sure the exact numbers. And it, this is as much of a learning experience for me as it is for, for them, you know, like when they say it, when they say, this is the number, get a confirmation, get an actual confirmation that this is the thing that we're doing. Um, so I think 
in that way, it's a, it's a, it's a great learning experience for me for next time. Um, so maybe next time we're not gonna, it won't be at Opus. I've actually heard really good things about Hotel Salem and they have a, like a little basement venue that seems to be probably double the size of Opus. That might be a better fit for us for next year or even in the spring. Um, cause we're starting to release some new music around then. And we do want to do another, uh, North Shore show soon to, to redeem ourselves to everybody. Cause at the end of the day, we, we, you know, like I know how, how much work it takes to go see a band, you know, and just speaking for myself as a fan, like I went to go see Incubus the night before Thanksgiving and, um, and that was an easy show to go to. You just get in an Uber and go downtown, but like, I don't have kids, you know, people have kids, they have to get babysitters, you know, you make a night of it, you pay money to get dinner, you, you do, you make a whole night of this thing. And when that gets screwed up, um, it's, not just it's it's really disappointing to me because I want to be as great as I can be for you, you know, and I know Paul and Phil feel the same way. So we apologize for that, um, and I hope next time we can be we can be better for you. I can be better for you, and I apologize. And that's that's the Opus show, but. Looking back at the actual show, if we're talking about the actual performance and the people that did get in and come, it was fucking awesome. Um, I thought we played great. Baydog's band killed it. Phil did his first solo set. If, so other than the, the the ticketing situation and the fact that like people couldn't come in, like the actual show after the fact was really good. Phil started it out. Phil texted me. He's like, hey, do you mind if I sing like four or five solo songs just to do it? And I was like, fuck yeah do it so that was his first solo performance playing piano and singing songs so it was great bay dogs band got up there and killed it that was the first time i actually saw him with the two new guys that he's been playing with for the i guess not new new since i've seen him last but he killed it and then we went up and did two hours just straight through and bay dog sat in with us fred ment sat in with us and it was just it was like the beauty of that night was I, I love playing with Baydog and I love playing I love when Fred shows up because it's it's not just like about just like playing your songs and kicking ass. It's about like a family, you know? We've gone like all of us have gone through so much together with music. And uh a night like that is more about the celebration of the people who love you and the people who you do it with and the people who enjoy what you do. It's, it's, it's more than just a show. It's more than just a give and take. It's not more than just like a band playing songs for people who like the songs. It's like, it was kind of like, it, you know, that's why I loved, that's why I was, that's why I really love doing that Opus thing. And that's why I was disappointed in the way that the ticketing thing went out. Cause it's like, it's supposed to be a celebration of the year and what you've all accomplished together and where you're all going. And, um, I think it was in that way, but it could have been more so. Um, but I think the band played great. It was, it was one of the more, it was, it was a great show. It was fun. Friggin' we were ripping work song was incredible. Uh, I actually got a, like a little flash drive, not a flash drive. What are those called? A little SD cards because the sound guy, Nate was like, yeah, friggin' get an SD card. We'll, we'll record the set. Cause I've been kind of into like recording sets and I'm like, oh, if there's a good song in there, we'll maybe release it. 
So we started it out with Change It For The World, and I thought, I was like, man, fucking Change It For The World was awesome. So I talked to him after. I'm like, yeah, I got to get that SD card. The first song we did was was great. And he's like, oh, I forgot that I had it in my pocket, and I only recorded half of it. I'm like, oh, my God, you idiot. Like, we, I literally bought, I went to CVS when I got to Opus to buy an SD card to record the set. And the one song that we were, like, pumped on, you didn't even record. Ah, but there's also a beauty to that too, where, you know, the only the people there were able to experience that song at that moment in time. So there might, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the rest of it. There might be, Phil was actually pumped about the work song jam. So maybe we're going to, you know, maybe this is a, this, maybe this is where we take these live, songs and, and maybe make like a band camp where it's just like RLB live bootlegs and just like put them out whenever we play shows or something like that. Just like kind of rough mixes um, for super fans, which is like three people. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see, but I'll have to go through all that stuff, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to, to listen to that set yet. I think I'm kind of winding it down for the music for the next couple of weeks, just shutting it down, hanging out, enjoying the time off, um, and kind of reflecting on the 20, the first, the first full calendar year of me being a full-time musician, which if I can think about some highlights, I think one, one highlight that really sticks out was obviously the release of Always the Gentleman, Always the Fool, which is coming up on 1,000 streams on Spotify, which I know like in the great scheme of streaming is nothing at all. But that is easily the fastest song that we've had to go to 1,000 streams ever. So um, I'm actually really pumped about that because that shows growth for me. Um, so the release of that and the release of the video was a huge thing. Um, I think that was a highlight for me in this year. Another one, obviously buying the minivan. <laughs> that was such a project. Um, and that's good. It's, it's good because like I have a great vehicle to tour in next year. And as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, I already have a bunch of tour dates coming up and, uh, it's just good for, I don't know. It's, it, it, it feels good for my own morale and the morale of the guys that I play with. Like, Okay buying a van we're doing it we're really actually making it happen and it's uh it's super exciting um so that's another highlight for me of my own year let me think of what else i actually you know what i think is is a highlight now and this might be a, a, a bit of a humble brag but so i was telling you i think in the last episode the spreadsheet episode about how i've been working with fred and he's been helping me with like organizing my finances and all this stuff and i remember in the first couple months of this year January February just looking at the amount of money I was making and I'm like there is no way I'm gonna hit the goal that I set for myself in 2019 um so looking back at the year I'm really proud of the fact that December out of all of the months in the year was by far my highest grossing month um in 2019 which is just, I don't know, it's, it's such a, I'm such a friggin' Tom Brady Patriots fanboy. But it's such a cool thing to be like, all right, when I actually really needed it in the fourth quarter, 
that was my busiest year and I made it happen when I needed it the most. And that actually, I, I know this is like, sounds like bragging, but that is one of probably my most proudest achievements um, in this year, knowing like, oh shit, I need to make it happen in this month and did um, when it mattered the most. So that's good. That's really, that's, that's really exciting. That's such a friggin' like dream team MLK Beirut win right there. Just, <laughs> just like sucking all of the beginning of the tournament and then like just turning it on when it needs to happen. <laughs> Which MLK, uh, you know, we'll, I'll obviously do an MLK recap um, show after that happens but yeah it's i think i think that's probably my third highlight of the year was knowing that december was my was my um highest grossing month out of the year <sighs> what else i don't know i think that might be it for me for this year i think i might be done i think this might be ross signing off for 2019 shutting it down and uh who knows? I might do a couple short little pop-up podcasts. I think what I'm going to do, I, I was listening to Felger and Maz today, who is, if for anyone in the Boston area and listens to the Sports Hub, they are the afternoon show, trolls, complete patriot friggin' Boston sports trolls. But they're they're one of my favorite shows. Um, but they were doing a show live from some friggin' restaurant, and the sound quality was way worse than the in-studio quality that they have. And I was like, you know what? Listening to this, I don't really care because it's really not the sound that matters to me. It's the content and what they're saying. So maybe I, I might continue to do the podcast during um, during the holidays and maybe like just do it on my phone and just upload the phone sound to to SoundCloud. That might be that might be the move or or not. Maybe maybe I just won't. <laughs> maybe I'll just shut it down and uh, and see you in 2020. But honestly, I can't wait for next year. Next year is going to be great. One of the developing things that I actually might... Oh, actually, another cool thing that happened. We're, I just wrote a song that we're pitching for this this commercial that actually there's a, there's a chance. The, the publishing company seems to be very excited about this song. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much about it until like you know we see what happens but there's there's a little bit of songwriting we also did uh, this year oh another another highlight of mine we did our first major label pitch of a song we pitched a song um to an artist on this label and um they seem to really like it so there's a couple like songwriting things that happen towards the end of the year that are that are very exciting i don't want to get too into it because like nothing really you know until until there's a cut um in the books, you know, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to cash the check before it's written or something, <laughs> something, but there's a couple, basically there's a couple cool songwriting things that happened. And then, um, I do have a friend named Michael Kite, who I think I've talked about on the podcast. He was on the voice a couple years ago. Um, so I think based on, um, where I'm at with old red and where I'm at with him. He knows a producer on the show. There's a, there's a chance that I might send in a tape and maybe try to maybe, maybe make a push to try the show again. Cause I did one audition. Maybe I'll do another podcast about my experience with the, the voice cattle calls, but I think I'm actually, 
I think I'm going to try it again. It feels like if I was ever to do that show, it seems like now is a good time to try just based on where I'm at with my relationship with one of the judges venue, like the, the main judges friggin' venue in Nashville. Um, if I think about it, Blake really like this whole year, like a ton of my income came from playing at his bar, you know? So based on that and where, you know, Michael and his relationship with the show and the producers, like it feels like if I were to ever give that a shot now might be a good time to try it. So I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think I'm going to try, I think I'm going to try one more time. And that, that way I know, like I can put it, completely to bed because like still still to this day you sing if you're a singer and you like play regularly you get this like why don't you try out for the voice why don't you try it for american idol and it's just like i don't know it's just not really my thing i'm not really into that um that whole vibe but you know maybe it, it feels like if i was ever to try it like legitimately now seems like the right time to do it um so that's another developing thing that might happen next year early. I might actually, you know, so you can send in the tape and get an audition and get turned down. And then it's like, okay, you know, I did it twice. See you later. I can, I can rest easy knowing that the voice is just not for me, but I don't know. seems like there's a couple cards in my favor right now to, to give it a shot. So I think I might do that. Um, and a, a beauty, the beauty of doing it now is, Versus when I did it the last time. It's like I, I, I have a much more stronger sense of self than I did back then. Then I was just like, I just want to be famous. Um, where now it's like, you know, you, you can kind of, if you're smart about it, you can, you can like use the platform um, to put yourself out there. You know what I mean? To, ex- to, to expose yourself to a new audience or, or just some new people. So I don't know. feels like a good time to to give it one more push, but yeah. So those are my highlights. Those are my, uh, small little developing things that might be happening for early next year. And, uh, it's all really exciting stuff. So the man, this, this 2019 has been a, a great year. I'm an incredibly lucky guy to continue to be able to do what I do and to do it with people that I love. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, so, Hey, I hope you all had a great year. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a wonderful new year. And I wish you all the best for 2020 and beyond. And uh, thank you all for listening again to the podcast. Thank you all for listening to my music, to coming to see us play, and to just for for all the love um, that you all share with me and, and everything. So thanks again. On to 2020. It's exciting. Can't wait. And we'll see you. We'll see you next year. We'll see you next decade. It's a whole new decade. It's incredible. All right. Uh, That's about it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.